Empower You podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural, and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you. Welcome back to Empower You Podcast. My name is Kibway Cooper and I am your host. How you doing out there? Our topic for today is trusting the process. And our guest for today is a woman with over 20 years experience directing, crafting, and uh, instructing theatrical classes, courses, curriculum, event shows, showcases, auditions. She has been an integral part in the theater program at Ball State University for many, many years. And uh, we are so thankful to have her here with us today. The theater in of itself is a large um, entity and there are many processes that go into the creation, development, and execution of a show. And that is very important because it draws kind of a mental picture of the various different mechanisms, processes, um, doctrines, uh, under levels of understanding that you need to have, you need to be aware of as you progress into um, and through your process. And so I'm so happy to have her here with us. Uh, Beth, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. My daughter turned 25 yesterday. Oh, wow. Uh, so it was, you know, she's in Boston, so it's little, you know, long distance. Um, but she had three kind of different sets of uh, friends, family uh, and friends at work, you know, that kind of thing. And so she had a lot of parties and gatherings. And so I, you know, if I couldn't be there, I'm just glad she was surrounded by people who love and care for her. Absolutely. So. That's amazing. Yeah, oh, yeah it is. Goodness. So yeah. do you, can you, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and your life and kind of what you've been doing um, in the, in the realm of theater and professionally for a while? And you said this was 60 to 70 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, uh, you know, uh, the older I get, I recognize that when we're young, we have instincts about if you pay attention, who you are and what you want to do. And I was always creating things. I, you know, I, so I was the kid that's, you know, made up the plays in the, the neighborhood and made everyone play a role or started, you know, the circus that we, you know, we did on someone's swing set. You know, I made <clears throat> pinwheels and stuff and sold them so I could, you know, have money and then people put them on their bikes. And, and I always drug my sister into it, you know, and we do Barbie doll shows and I'd be the director, you know, I mean, you know, I was always the one in charge. Uh, and I, I think, it, 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 so that's my natural instinct to be a kind of a director of things. Um, because the minute that I find that I'm an actor in that capacity, I feel like I'm doing it so other people will like me. 
So it's a whole, it's a whole different, I'm, I'm stronger as a someone in charge than I am as someone who's being led to a degree, if that makes sense. Um, so I, I, even through high school and college, I was so involved not only with acting, which is what I did all the time, but I put together things, fundraisers with artists to raise money for uh, children's cancer. I mean, it was just always something that had, that the product was not the end for applause, but it was leading to some kind of goodness after the fact. So that was, that was what I really loved the most, not the end product, but what, what transpired afterwards. And later, as I became a professor at Ball State University, I noticed that what transpired after, when I didn't have like a fundraiser attached to it, was the growth of my students, which gave me as much pleasure in a different way as creating something big for a financial outcome for, for another organization, for example. And, and so I go to the, with the exception of very few times when I've been sick, I've seen every one of my shows because the joy to me is the process. And sometimes people think the process ends when the opening night starts. But to me, that's, this is just a kickoff to the opening night because your audience is the final cast member and you play off of them, you hear them and it changes and, and you grow and to see how students start from the first opening to the closing is always magical to me. And I don't wanna miss a single drop of it. So my, my, my college career as a professor was always based on some directing, some performing, but I also started Earth Day. For, for Ball State campus. And I did these major Chautauquas where we brought in 300 guests and workshops where faculty and students participated with these, like Alan Arkin and, and uh, I mean the list, uh, Danny Glover. I mean, the list just went on and on where artists I brought in worked with community kids. So for example, Danny Glover, I had him perform uh, a piece with the symphony because so many children in our community in Muncie had never been to hear an orchestra. And I thought, what better way than to bring an actor who they see as someone to admire. And we had people in the audience that never had attended the symphony before. And so that was, that was key to me. So again, it was not just the final having Danny Glover there perform, it was what transpired afterwards and what it potentially uh, kicked off in some of the children or parents that were in the audience. And, and, and so as I was teaching, there came a, a, a and, and during that time I had traveled to China uh, about 14 times and taught in China and Korea and Japan. And I taught American dance styles to the Chinese with two of my students. And this was back in, in uh, 87. So it's been quite a while. And then I taught other places in China and Korea and Japan teaching acting uh, um, through uh, English literature, uh, English as a second language. Uh, what that really meant was, uh, for example, they could say the words, but they didn't. The Chinese, the Asians didn't always know what the, the, the historical meaning 
or emotional meaning uh, was of the word. So for example, I had several Korean young women doing a roles in um, a streetcar named Desire. And so not only did I talk about the South and how it had changed and these two women, how their roles had changed. So they understood what the emotion behind the word was, not just the meaning of the sentence. So it, it, it was just, it was a glimpse for them to see how Americans maybe or artists can translate things differently from one language to another when they add that emotional component. So that was, I, I did that kind of stuff. And then I, I think the two biggest things for me as an actor, as a professor, as a woman, <clears throat> one was I took three years off from the university and turn a Masonic temple, which is, you know, the Titanic made a brick in Muncie into a performing arts center for underserved kids. And in the first year we served almost 15,000 children in some kind of artist capacity. Wow. And yeah, and for those kids that couldn't afford it, I had this thing called uh, 401 kids, like 401k invest in the future kind of thing. And so people donated money and every child uh, would got a scholarship and then they could buy their instrument or pay for their shoes. Cause it's that kind of thing that lots of times people can't afford. And then we arranged for their lessons and, and we interviewed every child cause you always want to see what's in their heart to see if this is right for them. And I remember this one little girl in fourth grade came in with her dad who was not in the best of shape. And every time, she answered a question he would kind of slam on her about it and at the end of the interview I said to the little girl I said Rebecca why do you want to be an artist and she said when I paint I remember I'm not bad all the time and wow. I I mean that was I still can't quite get over that you know her dad didn't hear her but everyone else did yeah. and so you know so i worked there for three years and my final big project with the university was a group of students and i and this is shortening a lot of work into a couple paragraphs um wrote a musical based on the novel the circus in winter by kathy day they adapted it a young man named ben clark wrote all the music uh, we entered it in the uh, New York uh, Musical Theater Festival. Uh, we were selected one of eight from across the country of professional entrances. We were the first college to be accepted into this, wow. this festival. And so we put it together and Sutton Foster played the lead in our piece. And, wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It was great, and then it went on. We were invited to take that piece and they continued work on it um, uh, to Goodspeed Opera House, uh, which is uh, where Annie got started back in the day and a lot of musicals. So it was, uh, it was, it was an incredible journey. And those, many of those students uh, that were involved in that pro project have since gone on to do really remarkable things. So that immersive learning, yeah. just jumping in there and trusting yourself. And, and sometimes when the students didn't trust, I, you know, you just, you don't tell them to go right or left, 
you just kind of breathe in their way and let them make their own decision. And yeah. Then, yeah. yeah so that's it, amazing. Yeah. So, you know, for 37 years, I mean, that's kind of, you know, between teaching and international work and uh, the art center and this last project, the circus in winter, that was, you know, made up most of my, my professional career that I'm very grateful for and, 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 and reminded every day with, little notes from students on Facebook, you know, yeah. what they're doing and how they're doing. And That's amazing. Now, you said when you were a kid, uh, when you were young, you just had this natural leadership ability. You were always trying to create something. Uh, yeah. What, what did, how did you figure out that you wanted to pursue that professionally? Now, just you, you mentioned that because some young people don't listen to themselves early, in their life, sometimes you can kind of miss what your calling is. How did you not miss it? What gave you the confidence to continue to move in that direction? I didn't know there was anything else. Oh. I only, I mean, it didn't even cross my mind there was another option. The only thing I loved more than acting were horses, you know, and, uh, and animals and, and my family, of course. But I mean, in terms <laughs> of who I was and wanted, wanted to do it, I, nothing ever entered, entered my mind besides. So it was, you know, I've had three callings in my life. One is young going into the arts just because I didn't, it was. The other was when I adopted uh, my daughter, I, I just, I knew I was driven, just driven. And the other was when I started the art center I, I dreamed one night that a group of kids came to me and said, we don't have money for lessons. It was a little Hispanic girl. And the next morning I woke up and I called the president of the university and Mr. Ball, the last of the Ball brother brothers. Um, I got in contact with him and got set up and I just moved. I mean, I was a, I was a power of nature, <laughs> just making this art center happen. And, uh, you know, this wonderful woman, Judy Barnes and I, we raised $5 million and, you know, got that place set up for those kids. And, uh, wow. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was just, you're a locomotive. I mean, it is, it's a, it's a drive. I can't, I can't explain it any more than it's like you're being sucked in a wind tunnel and there's, you, you've got no place to go but forward. And you just, once you hit that, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't stop it. I mean, it doesn't even cross your mind. Does it doesn't matter you're raising a daughter and doing full-time job and doing this. You don't, you just, you find the power within you somehow to, to keep moving forward because it's a no, no choice. Hmm. I'll explain it that way. It's just, I, I it's, it, in that, it, and I'll say this, it, to me, it's divine intervention. And when you tap into that, you, you make mistakes and you can go wrong, but you still feel the power to move forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's, there's, there's so much, there's so much to be said about that, that this idea that, you know, you, you are so committed to what you feel like your purpose is that it just doesn't matter anything else. Um, and, and whatever process it takes you through, it just is what it is. Yeah, and I drove a bus, I sold luggage, you know, I did all kinds of stuff to keep myself alive. I was in, you know, 
the ups and downs of life, but there was this consistency of no matter what I did, I was creative about it. Mm-hmm, right. So it was, it was, when it was sad, there was something, I created something that moved me forward. Not just a learning process, but you know, you learn how to gracefully recognize when things aren't quite right. And then and then you don't get mad about it. You just go, okay, I get it. And then not that you don't get hurt, but you you take those dings. And then you just go, okay, I'm going to move forward. And here's what I'm going to do next. And uh, yeah, so retirement has been weird because you have to stop (laughs) to a degree. And it doesn't mean that you can't be creative and keep doing things. But the issue is your your time, your downtime, it's, it's like, stopping it's like you know you've seen those trains where someone will pull a um a, a rope or something and it stops the train on real quick that's kind of what retirement has been for me i've been you know moving forward so much of my life that stopping has been pretty tough and then not only stopping but when you have covid as your bed partner you know yeah. you go you know, what do you do? Where do you go? And uh, I've been very fortunate that uh, my mom lives with me now because she was in a retirement home and it was so hard because they were like in prison and she's 91 and, you know, she's still got piss and vinegar, you know, and uh, so I, so I moved her in with me. And so that's given me some structure and, and, and again, it's, it's that, you know, I'm always better. And I think people are when they're not absorbed in in themselves, but all that energy goes into somebody else or something else. And that's why I've always had dogs and cats and stuff because I, you you get out of yourself. They don't care if you've got a migraine or you've had a bad day at work, you know, they want that attention now. So it's get it out of yourself and move forward and find something positive and creative. Wow. That seems like a it seems like a huge undertaking to to do all of those things at once. What you're talking about, and and I feel like you have to at least in my journey, I've always come to points where you start to think about like, okay, is this really worth it? Am I really doing what I need to be doing? Like, is my journey supposed to look this way? And I think sometimes as you are going through your process, one of the things I've noticed is that there's no guarantee on how it's going to look. It's just a matter of your effort that eventually brings all the pieces together. It's not even about it looking any certain certain kind of way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And also, I don't think we really stop, and I don't know if it's good or bad, I don't know yet, uh, going, you know, this is the piece of the puzzle and this is this... After, after retirement, all of a sudden, when you have that time to reflect, it's like, oh my gosh, I see the connection. But again, even with all these different pieces and relationships, that child that was creating and making things happen was the spark throughout. Even when it came yeah. to adopting my daughter, yeah. it was, you know, I'd had a miscarriage and 
my body betrayed me at 40. And so at 42, we adopted, my ex-husband and I adopted a little girl from China, you know? So it's, it, it, you just, and again, it was that creating because it's a mound of paperwork and a mound of money, let me tell you. So it's, wow. you know, it's, you just, you just do, you just, and I, I, I didn't think about, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right thing? I just kept moving forward. I, I, did, I didn't question, I, I, I never doubted. I may question some things I did, oh my Lord. But I, <laughs> I, I never doubted. It's like, I don't doubt my faith. I question things sometimes uh, and, and, you know, kind of, okay. It, but that I never, I never doubt my relationship. Right, right. That makes sense. That that does make sense. Um, what I think is is very interesting is that you develop courage as you go along, and it becomes easier to uh, to. Oh, be I committed. think you have courage. Stop that. Here's the courage. When you were two or three years old and you were learning to walk and talk and all that stuff, you weren't thinking that little kid next door is already you know coloring by himself. You're just moving at your own temple, but you know the next thing from crawling and standing, talking, you're moving forward on your own. It's other people that beat you down mm. and because you listen to them. Right. You've always been brave. Everyone is brave. It's just that by the time you get to kindergarten, all that stuff, and sometimes even before, depending on how supportive or not supportive your family members are, they beat the bravery out of you. Sometimes they beat the creativity out of you. So self-doubt kills that creative spirit and that bravery. And, and we're so eager to please and to be liked and loved. Sometimes we give ourselves over to outside forces and not hold on to that bravery we had as a child yeah. and move it forward. You know, so it's yeah. always been in you. It's just things have happened, whether it's financial, relationships, um, um, uh, uh, any things can rob you uh, and create self-doubt. Right. And when that it starts eating you up, uh, you just go, and, and then the fear comes. Right. Self-doubt and then fear. And then not giving up, but sometimes it is. And you take not you a sober path, you but a different one that's yeah. not your calling. Sometimes you don't need to be as brave. I mean, anyone stays home with kids to me is the bravest person <laughs> in the world <laughs> to, to handle that. But that may not have been their, you know, what they wanted. It's a side road, you know. Uh, and so I always love to see, like, once my sister raised her two sons, she went back to to graduate school, you know, and fulfilled and then ultimately taught at a community college. And I admire that. She was in her 40s when she did that. So we reversed our lives. She <laughs> went and got a job and I adopted a daughter, you know, it was because she had twins, you know, when she was in her 20s. So it's just, you know, you just find that bravery you had as a child and just, you know, don't let anyone knock it out of you. Yeah. Yeah, and then then there's 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 process to all that, right? There's there's oh. there's well, t t for me, I believe there is. I think 
you have to reach different levels of, uh, of self-knowing, of self-understanding to realize that you do have braveness, to, to believe in yourself enough. Did to... you at two or three years old? No, you don't. I wasn't even conscious of whether it was a brave decision. How do you know? How do you know? You know. Oh, I guess I don't remember, so maybe I don't. No, you just watch kids. Go around. If you have nieces or nephews or kids. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Let them go at, watch how they just go at things. And then someone says, don't do that. Mm. I'm not talking about, you know, hurting somebody or something like that. Right. You know, I mean, I mean, how many, I can't even tell you. And it happened to me too. In a young age, loving to sing. People just sang to sing. You know, they just, they just loved it because it just came from their hearts. Kids just sing and draw. And then someone says, you can't draw very well. Oh, your voice doesn't sound that great. And once you kill that kind of youthful yep. bravery and spirit, then it's, it's hard to, because we believe someone is, knows more than we do. And then we get, we start doubting ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. I always used to think that every man and people older than me knew more than I did. And then you realize, well, everyone's full of shit. I know you have to ding that, but anyway. No, you're absolutely right. Um, uh, that that is uh, that has been one of the biggest revelations of being an adult. You always think everyone has it figured out, and that that's why they're oh, telling yes. you. They don't. No. They literally don't. And in some cases, people instruct you based off of. In, in most cases, people instruct you based off of their own programming, their own fears, their own, which then makes you not trust your own knowing. That right. that uh, your own intuition, you know, especially you couple that with obstacles and like just like you were saying is going through the life when you were trying to create the center and you know I'm sure there were days where things didn't look like you wanted them to, you know, but that's 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 part of it. Yeah, and and I think if you keep your eyes and heart open, you meet people that push you back into the right direction. Like I had professors and stuff and people I met just, there was, it was just like a little breath or just a little, whoa, like that, a little push that you go, okay. And and you meet them and you go, you've known them your whole life somehow. Yeah. They've tapped into something that's like so true that you go, ah, and, and there's a joy with that, yep. that, that, that finding that path and moving forward again, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it can be in a meeting. Sometime, one time I was just walking, all of a sudden I stopped, I heard the most beautiful bird and I couldn't believe it. It took my breath away. And I stopped there for a minute and it reminded me to stop and listen. So sometimes it doesn't always have to, you know, a little bird can be your teacher in that moment. Yeah. If you're paying attention and, and uh, yeah, just little things. Slow down, Beth. <laughs> What's been one of the, the hardest things about your process and uh, as far as, you know, creating things? You said you've always created. And so what's been one of the biggest challenges about your process that you've had to learn to be OK with and, and, and to grow from? Well, I, it's kind of in a saying, and I've shared this with other people before. No one really wants you to fail. They just don't think you'll succeed. Mm. 
Because truly no one does. I mean, honestly, you know, I mean, there are people who are jealous and stuff like that, but no one really wants you to fail in life because I believe when one person succeeds, we all do. And that's why I never like competition. And so, yeah, no one wants you to fail. It's just they don't think you'll succeed. And that's, as a woman going through a university at a time when there was so much change, I, surrounded by white men over 50 that were tenured, and they were, a lot of them were lovely, many were not. Um, <laughs> it, 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 they never thought my youthful, creative enthusiasm would ever do anything. Yeah. And I just stayed the course. And then they go, and it's like after one of my big projects, when we did the musical, one of the professors came up to me afterwards and didn't say, you know, good job or anything. He said, it was a miracle. In other words, they never thought I would, they, that students and I could achieve it. You that's, know, that's and amazing. yeah, and it's, and, and, and it tells me more about them than it did about me. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. because they would be, he, this gentleman, I oftentimes, he was brilliant, but oftentimes would not make that leap past things sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You know, so he never thought anyone else could either. And, I, and, and because your vision is what motivates your process, your purpose, I think many times we're waiting for someone to validate our vision. And because other people cannot validate a vision that only you see, we stop trying. We stop engaging in the process because there's no safety of someone thinking yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah, but you know, sometimes that will defeat some people. And if someone else, if someone tells me I can't do something, I got more fire in my belly <laughs> than I did before. Absolutely. And I, I encountered that a lot, too. I, I, when I was younger, I don't do it as much. Like, I, I, I kind of do a better, I do a much better job of surrounding myself with people that feed into my energy rather than deplete it. But right. one of the things that I have learned, especially, you know, just being around different people is you can't tell everybody what your vision is. You have to protect that. You can't tell everybody what your last move is. You have to protect that because people's trauma is what they want to impart on you in order to control, you know, that thing they don't think you'll succeed in, right? They're just doing it for you. They just don't want you to be disappointed with the outcome. Right, and right. That is all kind of BS to me. Yeah, yeah. me too, because I can't, because uh, I would, I wish people so well. Oh, yes. I, I do. I want... You know, when I see other people's projects and things, I want to go, yay, that is so good because yes. I see the depth of what they'd have to go through, not just the final little project that's right. on stage or on the wall or whatever. I go, the guts it takes to say, I'm going to direct a show or I'm going to perform or I'm going to, you know, be in this role that's not like anything I've ever done before. To do that, to me, is extraordinary extraordinary that's that's a level of humanity that most people don't tap into because they don't want to get that far outside of their comfort zone to actually even experience right. a process or or have to experience something that is beyond what they have a reference for yeah yeah uh, and i i think it's sometimes 
environments can be so protective that it's difficult to embrace new new people or new ideas or new things. Yeah. You know, I mean, and everyone feels that way to a degree. And so it's, you know, it's, it's tough moving with a new venture, especially in a new place, you know, when you're sometimes when you're in your same location, if you're not careful, people will start to defining you by what you can do and can't do. And then when you move into a new environment, all of a sudden it's like a new spelling book at the beginning of the year that, you know, you got a whole new chance of rediscovering yourself and that joy and that childhood bravery. Yeah. Because no one's telling you, you can't do that or no, we've never done that before. Or that wasn't really, you know, necessary to do that artistically. You know, it just, you know, so it's, you just leap and the net will appear. <laughs> leap and the net will appear. That is a difficult thing to imagine. Uh, I mean, I know I didn't, I can relate to what you said as far as when you, you you said earlier, you didn't think you had, there was no other options for what you wanted to be. Like, this is the only thing that feels right to me. And that's, so that's what I'm going to do. Um, and I remember when I left Gary, Indiana, um, that's how I felt, you know, and I feel that way about Fort Wayne in some ways too. Um, that's why I, how I know eventually I'll, I'll have to leave just because there are levels of, 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 your dream of your process of your journey that will take you through certain things and on the other side you have to release it just like you know the the expectations that you maybe had like the only thing that is true for you especially as a kid was creation the only thing that's true for Kibway was finding a way to continue to build my own voice and my own character and I can't do that in certain environments I knew that right away um but that journey sucks sometimes oh honey you know it's expensive it's hard on your health it's hard on your soul it's hard on your face it's hard on your heart you know but the other thing is any moment in your life you can change everything so for example, we could finish this up. You go, okay, that's it. Pack your bags, say your goodbyes and split. You could do that. You could absolutely do that. It doesn't have to be next June. It doesn't have to be. I mean, I realize there are things like money and things to, 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 to put together, but I'm just saying you have the power within you to change anything at any given moment. Wow. Yeah. And no one could stop you. If you go, I'm leaving January 1st, going somewhere, I'm doing this. No, that's, you could change everything. Yeah. You could change everything in a blink of an eye. Hmm. But so you got to say, why aren't I doing that yet? And again, it could be certain things like I have to finish up my lease. I have this family obligation and stuff like that. But Bottom line is you could change every, anything just like that. Yeah. If you want to. Yeah. It's just that pressure sometimes. Well, there's practical stuff, but then there's also yes, the just practical stuff. But even sometimes the practical stuff can, you know, it just it just depends. And you know, I again I believe in divine intervention. I I, I believe in 
listening and, you know, and hearing. And, uh, and I know in my gut what is right and what is not. And, uh, right. So, like, I never thought in a million years, one, I'd be a teacher, two, I'd be living in Fort Wayne, Indiana uh, after retirement, you know, but my stepfather passed away. My mother was here. I was, you know, and she didn't want to move. And so joyfully, because she was such a remarkable mom, didn't even cross my mind not to move here to be with her, you know? And so everything else is secondary to that. I mean, I would love other things to be there, but right now, that's the most important thing in my life, just like I was to her, you know, and yeah. you just, you just, in you, you know, when it's right, mm. you know, so it didn't even cross my mind that I would go someplace else. I just never thought in a million years I could be in Fort Wayne, which has been really a, a, a really lovely thing because I have so many students around. Yeah. From you know my thirty-seven years of teaching at Ball State, you you know you always hear students say, "I'm from Fort Wayne." You go, "Oh, that's cool!" And then all of a sudden you're in Fort Wayne, you go, "Hey, student, ah, it's my student!" Ah, oh my God! You know, it's just you know, really wonderful, fabulous. That's amazing. To see where they are and yeah. they're still you know moving, chipping away uh, creatively. So that's amazing. Yeah. Cool. I know. I know. Well, I'll put it to you this way. I think one of the yeah. things that I want to demystify is you started earlier when you said, you know, following these things, understanding that you possess that power, you know, it can get expensive, it's hard on your health sometimes, it's but what do you gain on the other side of that? What 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 uh-huh. Because for some folks who can't see that far, right? I know that on the other end of my struggle I know that even today I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be on my journey. Um, It doesn't mean I'm perfect. It just means I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I think for some folks who can't see far enough, they don't understand how freeing being exactly where they're supposed to be is because they're so focused on what they won't be for somebody else. Yeah, plus, you know, I'm not so naive to think that there are so many people in this world, especially out of work now and all kinds of stuff that it's difficult to see beyond because things in life are so horrible on every as- aspect. I mean, I consider myself so lucky. And then, yeah, I look at so many people who, no job, no health insurance, children, you know, they can't go to work, so you know how you know they, they can't afford daycare. I mean, it's just mind-boggling what people have to go through right now. I just, um, I just, I, I, I can't even, I can't even put words together. Yeah, I wish I could make sounds, but I, I can't. <laughs> that is, that is really. Um... That's very profound, you know, because you you realize that even even whatever it is that you're going through, you're you're blessed to have those struggles. You're blessed to have that. I don't know. Sometimes, like I was in a a very abusive relationship, and and this was 
this is me with a you know master's degree, good job, had my health, you know that kind of stuff. And yet every time there was a force at me, I thought it was my fault. Mm. And it took a long time to finally gain the courage to get out of that situation. And I'm just thinking about the women and or men who have children, no education, no job, no family support. Where does that strength and bravery come from when you're so beaten down? And about 10 years after I had left Los Angeles, I was invited to speak at a women's group of women who had survived abuse. And as soon as I walked into this room, and there were like, you know, 50, 60 women and a few men, I looked at them and I just started sobbing because I knew what it had what had happened to them, and not all the specifics, but generally. And here they all were as rec like recovering alcoholics, like recovering abuse victims. And, and not that you can't fall back into that because, you know, it, sometimes that abuse finds other venues to punish yourself or think yeah. it's my fault, it didn't yeah. work, whatever. So, you know, it's, um, but you can, sometimes you can't see it. You can't see that it wasn't me that deserved the abuse. It was something wrong with the other person. Yeah. And that is such a hard thing sometimes. Uh, to find yourself in and then once you're on the other side of it if through the strength of yourself and god you can get on the other side of it then yeah. you go oh, oh my gosh what what was i what was i doing what was i thinking and and i and yet i find that moment because i did get on the other side of it so strengthening and knowing that I can be on my own and survive and don't need someone to tell me what I can and cannot do, what I should and should not do. Yeah. You know, and full responsibility for myself. Full and ownership full of yourself. <laughs> full ownership of yourself. If you can't possess yeah. and operate within the things that uh, make you proud and make you feel happy, whole, and, and, and well, you know, then... Pfft, then do yeah. you really even possess your own identity at that point? Are you really the master of your own fate? You know, um, and that, it, what you, you said, you know, there, even with the advantages of, you know, having degrees and, and a great reputation and having done so much work, you know, I, we can still be very, very stuck on what we believe we deserve, what we believe the ideas we have about ourselves that can completely change what our outcomes are over time and punish ourselves oh we are our worst enemies which we've all heard that line so many times but we are oh we so are mm. what would you um say to someone who is um at that low point in their process maybe they've started maybe they have an idea of what to do or what they want to do but they really have no they're they're running out of steam they're they're stuck you know, maybe they're in some life event. Um, one of the, the, the goal of this, this episode is we really want to talk about, you know, trust in the process. We really want to talk about what that looks like on an everyday level, not on a, you know, 
we we have this book out and yada 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 and that's all great i'm not knocking any of that stuff but i think sometimes it's helpful to just have the the clearest rawest most organic sense of of what that looks like you know we have these crazy ideas on what success looks like what achievement looks like what it's like it doesn't look like any of that it's just you alone with your own ideas and taking ownership of yourself you know i do know and i i think um for me, what was extremely helpful in all circumstances was when there came to a real crux of a problem, I, sit, I sought professional help. Mm. When I was so down, because I needed to talk to someone who did not care about me. I mean, they do, but, <laughs> but who, who, and I'm not talking about professors that I worked with, I'm talking about counselors and uh, a psychologist, et cetera, who that I could go to, listen to me, and 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 then didn't respond with yes or no, good or bad, just listen. And all of a sudden, as I heard my voice share these things openly, I made my own discoveries towards healing. Wow. Uh, so that 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 was, I think outside help and and also new environments where you're it's your start from scratch and you can allow to make that new discovery about yourself not that you don't carry baggage with you but it's not quite as heavy when you get to the new spot because <laughs> <laughs> no one's expecting you to show up with it if you left it yeah. at home nobody would know you could try on a new but version of yourself and no one would be any the wiser yeah, and because with very few exceptions, I rarely tell a student or a friend what I think they should look into. I don't do that very often because I don't want there to be a sense that if you don't go in, that the person doesn't go into it, then I will be disappointed because I never would be. You know, I always have instincts about people and I'll share it, but ultimately it's their choice and I'm devoid. I'm, in other words, I, I don't, there's no, no residue with me having any expectations on that person. Right. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I work with my students, but when they ask for advice, I, I don't really give it to them because I want them to make their own discoveries right. because I've what I think may limit what they're capable of doing. Right. Well, you because don't want to project own your own stuff on them. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you're a professor in theater or music or art, parents are going, I don't want my child to go into the arts, you know, the, what they'll do for a living, that kind of thing. And they're imposing their fear on that child. There are artists out there that would be rather scrub floors and being at the theater at night than anything else in the world. And just because your parents or your friends don't have it within them to do that shouldn't stop you from following your dream. Oof. Just because someone else does not have it within them to do what you're yeah. called to do, that shouldn't stop. Yeah, because that creates fear in them. And part of it is out of love. I don't want my child to get hurt. Or, you know, like Emma's climbing mountains now and sitting on ledges. And I'm going, what the hell? <laughs> you know, my, I almost want to throw up when I see the pictures. And yet that's in her spirit to, you know, get out there and 
stand on a ledge, you know, and <laughs> do more, you know, I, I don't know, but it's killing me. But then my mom reminds me, I scoop, went scuba diving in the South China Sea when I was, you know, so, you know, I've done my share of what yeah. are you doing? But, you know, when you're the mother and you see your child and you just go, ah, you know. Yeah. So, wow. but that was the greatest thing about my mom. My mom never created any doubt in me. She always just wanted me happy. And my mother taught me to uh, believe in myself and my daughter taught me to believe in other people. And uh, that was pretty extraordinary to have that. That's amazing. That's amazing. I could talk to you for hours. This is going to be really... Um, you'd be so bored, you'd be passing out. Oh, no, no. I have so many more things I want to say about that. Um, but it is, we're getting close to time. So yeah. let's transition. Let's... Um, this is right this is the part of this is the last segment of the show the thought exercise portion it's like one of my favorite parts um and um in this segment we just want you to leave something with with uh, our, our listeners something they can practice throughout the week something they can um start to internalize uh as they walk away from this episode or maybe turn change the channel or do something different um what what could you you're in complete control of this segment, so oh, I'm going to surrender it to you. Anything you want to share, um, go for it. Yeah, okay. Up until I had never done anything on my own. When I was a kid, anything outside was the potential enemy. I mean, there was that kind of guardedness right. for me and my sister. Uh, and I always went, so I was always relying on relationships to move me through life the comfort there was a comfort mm -hmm. level when i left that abusive relationship and got the job at ball state university the first spring break because i'd never lived on my own you know i i went on a vacation by myself which was huge for me other people go like what's the big deal for me it was huge to do eat by myself sit on the beach by myself, you know, that was a big, that was a big step for me. And I, 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 oftentimes I ask my students, have you ever gone to a movie by yourself? And you'd be surprised how many people won't go to a movie by themselves or a concert or a play because they need that other I don't know how to comfort or security or to bounce off ideas, which all those things are great. It's just, I would tell people to do something by yourself that you've always been afraid to do. Simple things, nothing big. No, you know, paint a picture. I mean, it could be audition for a play, even though you don't think you'll get it. Do anything that takes you out of your comfort zone so you rediscover something, go to a different church you've never been to, mm. where er everyone you're surrounded by are different people celebrating the Lord in a different way than you ever did. Wow. Uh, go to, you know, that's totally different from your religious background. I mean, there's just countless things to, to, to do, you know, volunteer someplace and work with people who don't have what you have. And so that you were reminded that where you are 
is his, something goodness has happened to you. Yeah. And maybe by helping those that haven't quite had that experience will make you a softer, kinder, more mindful person yeah. in, in the world, you know, uh, helping, helping your brother. Wow. I mean, our brother, you know, yeah. life's brothers, that kind of thing. Uh, that's the key thing to me is small little things that move you out of what's comfortable and force you to look at yourself a different way or people a different way. You know, I went to, <laughs> when I was in Los Angeles one time, I didn't know, I didn't know any other really religions besides the Christian religion. So I went to a Korean Zen Buddhist meeting. <laughs> and you have to take your shoes off and and then you kneel down and then this gentleman says, and I didn't know what the hell he was saying, but I, anyway, all I kept thinking about was I had a hole in my sock. <laughs> so all this wisdom was being imparted. And I'm thinking, I had this fucking hole in my sock. And so this Korean man, you know, kind of stopped everything and he spoke English and he, <laughs> he looked at me, he knew I was uncomfortable about something. He didn't know it was a hole in my sock. And he said, do you know what Zen is? And I said, yeah, no. <laughs> he said, did you see, and this is in his broken English. He said, did you see Star Wars? I said, oh yeah, of course he did, yeah. Because it's Los Angeles, so you just see the premieres and everything. Right, right. And so, so, and I'm one of those people that wait in line you know, to get into the premiere. And so he uh, said, when you were watching Luke Skywalker, were you thinking about what you had to do yesterday? And I said, no. He said, were you thinking about what you're gonna to do tomorrow? I said, no. I said, he said, were you right there with Luke Skywalker? I said, yes. He says, that's Zen. And I've never forgotten that. Wow. That in the moment experience as opposed to worrying what's in the future or what just happened. And yeah. he, he, he simplified it to a grandel that even me with the hole in my sock could understand. That's so get amazing. out there and do something because you never know when a little teacher, a little grain of information can change your life. Wow. That's a beautiful story. Oh it my was, God. Was, it was just so, it was, he was so dear because he could, he knew, I mean, I was one, I was the only, 25-year-old person in the room. <laughs> wow. But I really admired that I had the bravery to come to the door. Yeah. You know? But I, it's also so fascinating that I wasn't worried about all these men around me and not understanding Korean, but that I was worried about the hole in my sock, which was so telling yeah. of myself down about myself. Yeah. Like, I cared less whether I had a hole in my sock or yeah. not. Yeah, you know? sitting and that energy went. Wow. So do something new, meet new people, you know, jump in there and you may get your heart broken. I have multiple times already here in Fort Wayne, but you just keep making yourself taking that, taking those baby steps of bravery. Those there baby you know. steps of bravery. That's the word yeah. for this one. Baby steps of bravery. Let me write yeah. that down. OMG. All right. Um, 
Thank you so Women much. Women do everything on their own, sweetie. They do. They walk yeah. on their own. They, you know, so take those steps. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome, much. I am in the middle of so many steps and I am determined to make them. I don't, I have absolutely nothing that I love more than the idea of moving forward in my purpose. And I want to demonstrate that, not just to myself, but then also to my nieces and to my family. I think it so has like, to know, be done. Yeah. Yes, it has to be done. You know, these gifts that we have are not for us to sit on. They're for us to use and give back because we didn't do anything for them. They're our gift, you know? Yeah. And so... Um, Baby steps of bravery. That's absolutely that surmises a lot of what I've been doing these past ten years. <laughs> oh, we all have. Oh man. You know, you take a few leaps once in a while, but then you have to go back in retirement. I'm back to baby steps. Yeah, that's the process. That whole that's the process. It's baby steps of bravery, one yeah. thing at a time. You know, yeah. that's beautiful. Oh, hey, honey. Thank you so, so. I love much. you. I love you too. Care yourself. All right. Don't be a stranger. I won't be. Thank you so much. Right. I'll talk to you a little later, okay? Bye. Bye. Empower You Podcast is devoted to bringing real world wisdom and encouragement to our listeners. We discuss a multitude of life principles and the process from an economic, cultural, and societal perspective. We believe that through tough conversations and shared wisdom, we can pave the path and leave a ladder for the future. Subscribe to our channel and let us empower you.